Welcome back in episode 106 of the Sports Gospel here on sportsgospel.com or wherever you find your shows. We're on pretty much every platform at this point in time. Darren and Andrew on this week's episode, happy to have you with us. Happy Memorial Day week. Memorial Day week, everybody. Uh, Thank you to those who have served. We want to honor and pay our respects to you. Took last week off due to travel and some vacations and just decided to lay out for the week, but we're back. Happy to be back in the swing of things and not traveling for once. And we did this. Time this just right. We're right in the on the precipice of the NBA Finals. That's going to be the crux of our show this week. Looking at the Nuggets versus the Heat. That Finals matchup we all saw coming two months ago. Going to give the tail of the tape here in a minute. I want to start with the Eastern Conference where we have the Cinderella 8-seed Miami Heat, if my records are correct. The first ever 8-seed to make an NBA Finals. And I believe the first uh, seed outside of the top four to make it, maybe since 2014. Andrew, you'll have to correct me. I don't have the right uh, screen in front of me. But the Heat taking down the number one seed Bucks to start it. 4-1, beating the Knicks 4-2, and then this chaotic series with the Celtics 4-3. So let's start there. Boston, Miami, what do we make of this? What we thought was going to be a sweep and became quite a, a run here to the end. Yeah, well, quick point. They're not the first number eight seed to make the NBA Finals. Wikipedia, you lied to me. Uh, Yep, that that would actually be the New York Knicks, Latrell right. Sprewell. And Allen Houston. At 99. Uh, yep, the lockout shortened season. So, um, yeah. So they're the second. Still pretty historical, but good work by them. Um, and yeah, a very chaotic series. Uh, it looked like all the momentum was riding with Boston, but they just kind of were tired, I guess, in game seven and just really shot. And None of their shots were falling, and that's really what Boston needed to stay in the series. It was to have their – it seemed like as Boston's three-point shooting went, so they went in the three games that Boston won in the Eastern Conference Finals, they were shooting a really high percentage, and it affected their defense. And that was kind of the thing with Boston's team this year was all their success predicated upon their three-point shooting and – uh, that wasn't the case with them last year. They seemed to be able to mix it up a little bit better. And I don't know what that was, maybe just a mindset thing, but I really felt like Boston had all the momentum going into game seven, but came out shooting cold in game seven. And Caleb Martin just took over and basically buried the Boston Celtics. I'm happy you brought that up. That's what I wanted to get into. Let's let's celebrate the heat here. I'm, I want to talk about the Celtics. First, let's talk about the heat. The the one-two punch, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, we know that those are the go-to guys. But suddenly, Caleb Martin and Gabe Vincent come out of nowhere. This feels like it's become the M.O. for the Heat. They don't need the big stars. I think Jimmy Butler and Eric Spolstra, that, to me, that seems like a match made in heaven from a coach, star player. Bam seems to have really taken off. But then these role-player guys, they did it a couple of years ago. We'd never heard of Max Struess, and then all of a sudden in the bubble, he was fantastic. Now these guys, and even Kevin Love, I... Unless I'm actively watching the Heat, I forget that he's there. And they still have guys like Victor Oladipo and Udonis Haslam's technically still there. But Kevin Love is the one I thought, oh, yeah. And there was one game. He started him off hot. He was shooting well. The Heat just do such a good job of finding these role players and the guys who fit that Spolstra, Pat Riley system, and they get the most out of them. It's it's really cool to see that just just get the right guys in the right places. You don't need four superstars to win. Yeah, um, and are we sure Bam is number two? Because it really feels like for this whole playoff run, it's kind of been Caleb Martin running number two ever since Hero went out. Can I, okay, quick question on that. Weren't we saying all, I, I can never keep these two straight. In the regular season, it was Duncan Robinson or Tyler Hero that was terrible, and the one was good, and now in the playoffs, they flipped. Well, Tyler Hero's been out for most of the playoffs. Okay, so it's was it Robinson that disappeared so, in the regular season and has now has been good in the postseason? Duncan Robinson has been virtually unplayable for the past year and a half, and they because they have no choice because they've become so shorthanded due to injuries, they've had to play Duncan Robinson, and he's done a phenomenal job and begins just 
shooting the ball well again out of out of seemingly nowhere. And then Caleb Martin, too, not really known as a three-point shooter in the regular season, but he's been burying threes like it's like they're going out of style in the playoffs. And same for Gabe Vincent as well. So all those guys just kind of stepping up and uh, Caleb Martin coming through in a big way. When you look at this Heat roster, I would, unless you really follow NBA, if you walk down the street and find maybe your average NBA fan, I think they could for sure name Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. If you look at this entire roster, maybe somebody knows Hero or Duncan Robinson, but there are, it's a lot of no names. They're starting five. You just mentioned Caleb. Uh, so you have Caleb Martin at the power forward, Jimmy Butler at the small, Max Struess and Gabe Vincent are your guards and Bam at the center. It's a, it's one of these great kind of no name teams. We've gotten really used to having. When they with the Suns, it was oh yeah, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton. Of course, we know them, and the Warriors with their big three. We always know who they have. That's one of the things I love about this Heat team is they're such a kind of a no name outside the Jimmy Butler, but they're making. I guess they're making names for themselves. They're becoming stars. Yeah, they really are. Um, so, yeah, it's been a miraculous run by Miami. I lo- love to see it, and you corrected me on the. Uh, the Knicks making it. So the last time, you know, the last team who was not a top four seed to make the finals. Was it the Cavs? It was not it. It was the, it was the bubble heat. They were a five that year. Ah, that's it. So as, as much as we like parody and I'm all for cheering for our lower seeds to make the run. When you get to the end, more often than not, it's a one through three seed. You get a couple of fours in there. So it's these Heat two years, and then as I'm doing a quick read, you have to go back to those 99 Knicks to find the only team outside of a top four seed to make the finals. Yeah, that's generally how it goes, and that's just really just a product of all these series being best of seven. Generally, the better team wins. Now, talking about those Boston Celtics, that the game six was crazy with Derek White having the the season-saving tip in, and then Game 7, they get throttled. We Everybody does this talk. What, what does Boston do here? Is it time to break up Tatum and Brown? Are we looking at Jason Tatum as kind of a James Harden who's great in the regular season, doesn't get it done in the postseason? Looking at the Celtics, they still have Tatum, Brown, Malcolm Brogdon, Marcus Smart, Derek White. Their top five guys all back next year. Robert Williams, Al Horford. So you could argue that one, two, three, four, five, six, there's top seven guys on their payroll are all due to be back next year. Do we, do we roll with this and just give the young coach another year? Or is it time to think about somewhat blowing up the Celtics? Yeah, I don't think we need to think about totally blowing it up. Um, maybe there's a deal involving, you know, maybe they could move on from Brogdon because Brogdon became unplayable at some point. Um, but I, I don't think you can break up the Tatum Brown thing quite yet. If you do, you're keeping Tatum in that equation because Tatum has other levels of his game that he can go to. Whereas I feel like Brown is more of is what he is Uh nice number two limited off the dribble offensively. You don't really want him dribbling around too much on offense. Um, but I will say this, Jason Tatum is, I believe, 25 years old. And most guys um, that are superstar guys, a lot of them don't win their first championship until they're 27. So let's not write this narrative about Jason Tatum and choking in the playoffs. If it happens three years in a row where he doesn't break three years from now, four years from now, we're still talking about he's never broken through and won one, then I think we're okay to start talking about it. But in the NBA, guys kind of hit their prime from 27 to 31. It's kind of the prime time for a lot of guys. And so I I really think they got to run this back. I know that Tatum has come out publicly and said he wants a Jalen Brown uh, re-signing. He wants to run it back with Jalen Brown. Um, But I don't know what that does long-term. So, but I, the the question is, if you do move on from Jalen Brown, who are you getting that is going to be a better fit next to Tatum than Jalen Brown? And I don't really know what the answer is to that question. Yeah, you do. I, I don't really, 
I don't really see anybody that the Celtics could reasonably get that would be a better fit than Jalen Brown next to Sano. Kyrie's going to be available. Yeah, that's <laughs> a, yeah. Okay, we've already been there, done that. I don't think he would be welcomed within a mile of that town. You beat me to the punch on the Jason Tatum point. I've become a Jason Tatum fan and an apologist. I think you're exactly right on. We have to give these guys more time. They come out so young. Uh, So if I'm reading this right, 2017 was his first season. So he just finished his sixth NBA year and Brown, I believe, is a year ahead of him. These guys are still developing. Joker's just now getting there. Uh, And looking back, obviously the Warriors have won umpteen championships. But Steph was in the league for, what, six or seven years before they took off and needed a couple of years with Clay to get it going. LeBron obviously been around forever. Uh, And that's, I mean, most of your championships in the last 15 years between those two. The Raptors needed to get Kawhi, and Kawhi had been around for the last time in the Bucs. So the Bucs won it two years ago. Giannis was drafted in what? Was Giannis 2014 draft, 2015 draft? 2013, I thought. I don't need too many screens in front of me to get that one up. It's just, yeah, we have to give these guys more time. I agree with you. I think running it back one more year is what makes sense. But Jalen Brown is a free agent after next year, so do you have to resign him to a long-term deal? Neither one of these guys are making all that much in the grand scheme of the NBA. Tatum's scheduled to make 32-6 next year, and Brown's just under 32. And then the rest of the guys, I don't, you don't really have to shell out that much, I think, to keep Marcus Smart, Derek White, Robert Williams, or even Grant Williams for all that much. Yeah, well... There's going to be a couple things that are going to complicate things for Boston and a lot of other teams. Um, Boston really does need to re-sign Jalen Brown if that's the, ultimately the decision that they make. Um, but the seller cap is going to go up in the next couple of years because of new TV deals kicking in and, and things of that nature. But also the luxury tax penalties are going to change dramatically uh, the the taxes for going over the salary cap are going to be much more severe for teams. And so it's not going to be as easy as it has been in the past. Basically it's going to create more competitive balance with the way that the nice. rules are going to change with the collective bargaining agreement. And so it's going to be a lot harder to create these big threes or these super teams. And uh, in that kind of an environment, that's why I'm saying I think they got to go with Jalen Brown. So, but yeah, again, to your point, uh, the common denominator of a lot of those guys, Steph, LeBron, Giannis, now Jokic breaking through and, and being in their first championship, I believe the age that all of them were at was around 27. I mean, even Michael Jordan, I believe as well, had his struggles early on and didn't break through until later in his career as well around that age, that 27, 28 range. That's kind of when guys hit their prime. So yeah, got to do another year. And ultimately you're probably running this back for another four or five years between the two of them. But the team will, will look different maybe in two years because they'll have to move on from a guy like Derek white or Marcus smart, or, you know, the role players around them will just look different because of the way that the salary gap is going to work. And it's not a year that I'm super excited about the free agent class If for top-end stars. I think there's some good role players later on. And there's the the talking point I hear people trying to move forward with is that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are too similar. They need somebody to change it up, to which I say, seems to be working for Steph and Clay. But your top free agents, James Harden, Kyrie, or Zingas, Fred Van Vliet, I like him as an option, but I don't know how he fits with those two. Chris Middleton is intriguing. Draymond, I don't think, fits. Jeremy Grant intrigues me. Nikola Vucevic, Brooke Lopez, Kyle Kuzma, uh, and then D'Angelo Russell, Jordan Clarkson, Austin Reeves. So I think there's some good wings and some small guys. I just I feel like Boston maybe needs a big who's going to replace Al Horford or run next to Williams there in the middle. And it's not all that deep of a big guy class from what I can see. Right. And out of all the guys that you mentioned, I think maybe the one that I would want, uh, as opposed, if he's healthy, as opposed to Jalen Brown, is Chris Middleton. 
He's he's because the one I'm interested in. Does he want to see what he can do outside of the Bucks? I don't think so. I really don't think so. I really think he likes um that organization and they're going in a new direction definitely, but um yeah, I think I think Middleton and Giannis are a really good fit and they really like each other, so I don't really expect a lot of player movement this off season. I really expect it to kick in next off season. I'm trying to think because uh, Le- LeBron will have his LeBron, Paul George, Kawhi, Clay, Kyrie. Who knows? Anthony Davis. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of guys coming available who are going to want a lot of money after the 2024 season. And that's when the salary cap is changing and. Teams will have had a year to kind of figure out the new luxury tax and collective bargaining things that are going to kind of change the game. I don't expect outside of maybe the usual Kyrie drama (laughs) that a lot is going to change in the NBA landscape this offseason outside of the draft. I don't really see a high level of free agency movement, high impact free agency movement or trades this offseason. Now now watch, it'll be the biggest offseason ever. Um but again, I, I don't currently see it at that at this point. And it feels like it will be a little bit quieter, at least at your top end. Maybe get some few draft picks or some mid level guys going to new places. I, I agree with you. I can't see it being a major needle mover on the top end of the free agent pool. So we'll get to the actual matchup here in a little bit, but anything else on the Eastern Conference before we go out West? I think that that does it for me on the Eastern Conference. And this is truly a David versus Goliath final. The eight seed out of the East taking on the number one seed, the Denver Nuggets. Rolled through the Timberwolves 4-1. Took down Phoenix in what we thought may be a little tougher series 4-2 and then swept the Lakers in impressive fashion. Instead of talking about LeBron, let's give the Nuggets their due credit. They were dominant in that series. The Nuggets, I, I'm pretty sure I did not pick them. These are the two teams who I really wanted here. I just didn't have the confidence in my picks to actually make it. I didn't think we would get to the point where it was Heat Nuggets in this very fun random series. But credit where credit is due, Denver has been on fire. Jokic, predictably, has been amazing, averaging a triple-double, I believe. Jamal Murray really coming into his own. We've known that he's been good for a while, but he seems to be moving to the next level. So what do you uh, – give us your thoughts on the Nuggets, I guess, here coming in and the prelude to the championship. The Nuggets are the most complete team, and I still don't think anyone has beat them at home. And I don't really see anyone beating them at home in this playoffs. Meaning that the Nuggets are going to win the NBA championship, in my view. Uh, Big part of the reason for that, yeah, Jokic has been absolutely transcendent and great. And he will need to be and very likely will be against Miami as Bam can go head-to-head with him. But outside of Bam, they don't really have an answer for Nikola Jokic, uh, but the bigger key will be the play of Jamal Murray. He torched the Western Conference in the playoffs this year, and that's how he played in the bubble when the Nuggets made the Western Conference but came up short against the Lakers. That's the way that Jamal Murray looked, and that's kind of the Jamal Murray that the Nuggets have needed. And so I think that he have a little bit more answers for Jamal Murray than maybe some other teams have had. So that'll be interesting to watch, but then – like we saw in the Western Conference Finals, KCP gets rolling, Michael Porter Jr. gets rolling, uh, Bruce Brown gets rolling, and it's really the fact that Denver is a more complete team and has a better bench than they have had in the in the Jokic era. They're they're just a way more complete team than they were last year or two years ago. And that's kind of why where I see them and why I think it kind of puts them over the top. So uh, Nikola Jokic has uh, proven a lot, and uh, there's been a lot of doubt about him, kind of like we just talked about with Tatum, uh, that we're past now because he's made the NBA Finals and a lot of doubt that will be silenced yet again when he goes ahead and lifts that championship trophy up. So 
this is David versus Goliath. I'll give the Heat enough credit that they're going to win maybe a couple games. Uh, but I don't, I don't really see them being able to win this series ultimately. If there's any good that has come out of this postseason, it's all the attention that Nikola Jokic and Jimmy Butler are getting. Butler's been around a little bit while longer and has never totally gotten the respect he deserves. We're busy talking about Russell Westbrook or James Harden or Steph. Meanwhile, Jimmy Butler's been grinding, and same for Jokic. Yes, he's a two-time MVP now. It just feels like we never appreciate him. He do- he just looks more athletic. He's been progressive, I feel like, getting more lean, more athletic. And it's the quintessential, he's playing chess and everybody else is playing checkers. I know people think he's boring, and all of a sudden you're at halftime and he has 13, 6, and 6, and you just don't know how it happened. It just He's so fascinating to watch. He may not be the most thrilling, but he's, it's it's surgical the way he plays. It's so smart. He did something something about the court vision that he possesses that seems so rare. And you mentioned most of them here. The rest of the starting five, they've done so well assembling this team. Jamal Murray, Michael Porter, I believe both came via draft. The big Aaron Gordon trade and then adding Contavious Caldwell-Pope. And their bench, I don't know that there's a lot of wow players, but there's right players in the right place. Jeff Green, Bruce Brown, uh, Ish Smith's still running around there. So they do have a handful of bodies they can throw at you. Just that starting five, I think, can beat you in so many different ways, whether Murray can drop 35 in a night if he needs to. We know what Jokic is due. Aaron Gordon can get hot and shut down defense. And we forget how touted Michael Porter used to be. Wasn't he the number one recruit in high school and then was a quick one-and-done player? But everybody talks about him being a future star. He may not be a megastar, but he's quietly coming into his own, I think, with this Nuggets system. Yeah, um, Ish Smith probably not going to play. Uh, I just love that he's still around. Yeah, he's he's around. He's cheerleading <laughs> from bench. Uh, Christian Brown. This team. Christian Brown might play, but off the bench, it's really going to be mostly Green and Bruce Brown um, for the Nuggets. That's kind of how it's been the whole playoffs. They're really only going seven deep and eight with Christian Brown if they absolutely need it. Um, because of foul trouble or anything like that, but they're they're pretty much playing their top seven guys and, and rotating them through uh, the way that they need to um, in order to make sure that they make it through the playoffs. So, um, yeah, I really, uh, I don't know. I just think um, Denver is definitely the most complete team. And you talked about Michael Porter Jr. Yes, he was the number one uh, recruit had some back issues uh, that have kind of flared up over the years and really uh, held him back a little bit. And then also Michael Porter Jr. has never seen a shot that he doesn't like. Uh, (laughs) He's not really much of an assist man, but in the series against the Lakers, he was kind of swinging the ball and making the right passes and making the extra pass in that series. And so if, if he's willing to do that, against the heat uh the nuggets are going to be very very successful so that's that's kind of something to watch as you go across the series is that michael porter jr doesn't like to pass the ball so if he's passing the ball and making the right reads the heat are in in serious serious trouble i get that no team survives just on the draft and there's absurd player movement in the nba I just like that the Nuggets are feel like about as close to a homegrown team as you can get. The uh, uh, Christian Braun 2022 draft, Michael Porter 2018, Jamal Murray 2016, Nikola Jokic 2014. They're bringing a lot of these guys and slowly developing them. So I like I like when a team has their core that aren't just mercenaries. So, quick little side note. Yeah. Or you can just be like Miami and just do it with undrafted guys. Right. Uh, I looked up theirs as well. They got Tyler Hero. They got Bam Adebayo. But like you say, they're just going to the, the scrap heap and finding diamonds in the rough. Yeah, I, I really have no clue how they keep doing that, keep pulling guys out of the scrap heap. I mean, we'll even see Haywood Highsmith, who played a key role in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, yet another undrafted guy, I believe. So... Yeah. Um, you know, if I can't name the colleges that the guys are from, that means that they're <laughs> going pretty deep. I mean, I know where Duncan Robinson and Caleb Martin went to school, but 
I had no clue where Gabe Vincent was from or Max Struess or one of them, a New Mexico guy or a Utah guy or something. Nevada. Nevada is Caleb Martin. Okay. Uh, Gabe Vincent, I believe, is UCSB. I don't know. I'd have to look that up. See, I I still don't know. And they've gone on a playoff (laughs) run. I still don't know what college these guys are from. Uh, uh, Tyler Hero is a Kentucky guy. I forget that. Haywood Haywood Highsmith went to Wheeling. So you're, you're allowed to not know that one. Yeah. And Bam is also a Kentucky guy. Yep. Duncan Robinson went to Michigan. Well, he transferred from D3 and then went to Michigan. But um, that's neither here nor there. Uh, Uh, Yes. Vincent went to UC Santa Barbara. Okay. Yeah, I pulled that out of my hat. But Max Struess, I have no clue where that guy's from. Uh, Max Struess, where he was just – he went to DePaul. So I would never have known. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So what I'm saying is the Heat are just going deep into the undrafted pool and just making something out of nothing. And I, I don't know. I don't know how long you can do that or if you pay those kinds of guys. That's a really interesting question for the offseason. Does do the Heat pay – like if, if Martin and Vincent are up for free agency contracts, do you pay those guys? If so, what do you pay those guys? I – Man, I just I just had it in front of me, and I closed out of my window on all their, on all their. Uh, Regardless, okay. I'm sure I'm sure they can just let them go, find a couple more, and then do the same thing next year. Because what the Heat? So they've made back to back Eastern Conference Finals in three of the last four years. Does that sound right? That does sound right because they forced they had a Game Seven with Boston last year, and Boston beat them in Game Seven last year. Just like the little rivalry that we're not talking about, so they got they got swept out of the first round last year by the Bucks, and then the year before that yeah. was the correct. Oh, did they get swept last year? Yeah, the Bucks swept them in the first round in the three six matchup, and then or sorry, two years ago, and then last year it was Heat Celtics in the finals with Celtics winning, and now it was Heat Celtics the other way. Yeah, no, that's because that's last year last year was the year that Jimmy Butler shot a three. And most people thought he should have driven it to end the game and end the series. I believe that was a seven-game series also against Boston. And that's how we ended up with Boston and Golden State. I just feel like we never think about this in three of the last four years that the Heat have been in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, so just looking back at that 2020 bubble roster, they had Bam, they had Jimmy Butler... Jay Crowder was there. Goran Dragic was there. I think Udonis Haslam has a lifetime deal with the team. So they had they had Tyler Hero. They had um, Duncan Robinson, and then they they did have Gabe Vincent on a looks like a two way contract at the time. I don't know how much he did for them. Uh, but yeah, they're it seems like they kind of find these guys, get the most out of them, and churn them. Like like you say, who I don't know how long they can keep what they've got. Right, right. But it doesn't matter. They'll just find new guys. Yeah. <laughs> Some guy that we've never heard of from the tiniest college in the draft, they'll find it. They'll yeah, find and he'll, he'll he'll average 20 points per game in the Eastern Conference Finals and lead the Heat <laughs> back to the finals. So the zombie Heat, man, they never die. They never die. Does Rachel Nichols go to Denver? Oh, boy. <laughs> Maybe. If you know, you know. Um, yeah. Um, hey, on that note, I believe the last time these two teams got together, there was some bad blood. There was like a locker room fight between these two in the past. Interesting. I'm I'm happy you brought that up. I don't know the history. Yeah. And, and, and I don't, was, I, I just, I, I want there to be some skirmishes. I, it's kind of a Jokic and Bam Adebayo getting into it. I'm here for it. I believe Jokic's brothers might have threatened Jimmy Butler. Of all the people to threaten, he is the last one I would want to threaten. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think there is some actual bad blood between Love these it. two teams, and they don't like each other. So for people thinking this might be kind of boring because the Lakers and the Celtics aren't involved, like most thought would be, uh, 
this this is may not be that boring, folks. Uh, don't the uh, I'm trying to find his history right now. Didn't the Heat draft Baby Jokic in the draft this year? Uh, no. Uh, the guy's name is Nikola Jovic, not Jokic. Isn't he? Isn't he like the next Joker? Uh, not at all. Oh, way different positions. (laughs) Shooting guard. But they're both Serbian, named Nikola, almost the same thing. Yes, and I'm one of the shooting guard, and I don't think Nikola Jovic is going to be making it in the NBA. Oh, really? Wasn't he a first round pick? Yeah, but things didn't really work out so well this year. So I don't, I don't think uh, maybe he can prove me wrong. But no, I think he was a second rounder. But no, he was, can, the, he was can... the twenty seventh pick, so he was right there teetering on the edge. Yeah, um, I don't think there's a whole lot of hope for him. But again, he plays a different position, ah. not the same player at all. I don't know if that was the bad blood, if there was kind of some Serbian something or another. Hey, he did get a vote for MVP, though, because someone spelled <laughs> the last name wrong. That is fantastic. Yeah, so did absolutely nothing to deserve it and still got a vote. Some places, that's how you become president. I'll let you decide which party I'm making fun of. Not uh, in America. <laughs> so, okay, what else? Anything else here in the actual series? So we've got Denver will be the have the home court advantage. So it's two, two, one, one, one. So first two games in Denver are, are, are we thinking sweep? Are we thinking five? Are we going to get a, a seven game series? I'm thinking, I'm thinking five, possibly six. I just, I'm, I am going to go with the nuggets. They are the highest scoring team. As good as we think the Celtics' offense is, it's still not quite on Denver's level. My question is, can the Heat slow them down? The Heat have given up points. The Bucks put up points on them, but they were able to rally. I think of Miami as a grind-it-out, shut-you-down-with-defense team, but have they faced an offense like the Joker and what the Nuggets bring to the table? The home court advantage, the Joker effect, I think he's going to cement himself if he wasn't already as the best player in the world. I do think it goes seven because the never say die heat or the zombie heat, if you will. I think it's going to be the Nuggets in seven. Either way, Denver's getting it done in front of the home fans. So and beat. that's that's really what we want is Denver getting it done in front of the home fans. Don't think Denver's ever won it before. We need a new team that's gonna that's gonna win it. So might as well be them. Might as well be Jokic getting his first, so Nuggets and five here. That is one of the fun little things that I saw. So Mike Malone, first-year coach in the finals, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but the first-time coaches in their first finals appearance, last year, Ime Udoka lost, but before that, Mike Mike Budenholzer, first finals won. Frank Vogel, first finals, one. Nick Nurse, first finals, one. You had a couple Steve Kerr years, and then first finals, Ty Lue, one. So I think is that is that four and one the last time you've had a first time coach in the championship? I don't know if gotcha. that means any, I don't know if that means anything, but Mike Malone in his first finals against Spolstra, who I want to get to here in a minute. It's I don't know if there's anything to that, or it was just a fun also fact. What else did those coaches have in common? They coached a megastar? The, be- the best player in the series. Ah. The best player in the series, undoubtedly, Nikola Jokic. There you go. And we, I think we talked about that before. You have to have not just a top 10 player, maybe not even a top five. You need a top three player maybe in the world to win this, a surefire Hall of Fame. And we're talking top 1% Hall of Famer, and that's... Jokic for my money. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I love you, Jimmy Butler, but. Yeah, I think, I think the whole world un- understands. And I think, uh, again, I, a lot more reliable number two for the Nuggets as well. And Jamal Murray than Ooh. Caleb Martin or 
Bam. I almost forgot my question, and you I think you tipped your hat there. Better one-two punch, Jokic and Murray, or I would say Butler and Bam, but you seem to be liking Caleb Martin. Yeah, no, I like Caleb Martin more because, like, uh, Bam has not been a scoring threat, and that's not really his game. Uh, his thing is to rebound well, to play that defensive anchor, he passes the ball well. He can score, but his thing isn't to go out and get you 20 per game. Caleb Martin's actually shown that he's much more capable of getting you 20 per game than Bam out of bio. And so in terms of just pure scoring punch, I think it's it's kind of a but, the Butler-Martin show here now for the rest of these playoffs. And so they need, they need Martin to kind of be that second scorer if they're going to win the series, just like he has been. Now, what if I gave you Tatum and Brown or Jokic and Murray? Well, yeah, I'd still take Jokic and Murray just because of the Jokic factor. But but if the one, two, if Jokic is being slowed down, you have to go to your second option. Then you're totally okay with Jamal Murray because Jamal Murray can go for 50. I wonder, I hope he's happy saying there. I wonder, is Jamal Murray a guy who wants to be the one? Or could we be looking at a Stockton-Malone arrangement here with these two? Uh, no, I kind of see it more the same way I see uh, Giannis Middleton. I think they were they work well and they complement one another and they've got a good thing going and I don't really see a reason to break it up unless it's money. But your home team can pay you more money in the current structure and that's what the NBA is going for is uh, keeping guys that are drafted by a Denver in Denver and yeah. the collective bargaining agreement allows them to do just that. And so I think, you know, after they go ahead and, and cut down the nets and win this championship, I think that's just more motivation and more fuel to stick together. I don't really see a reason to switch it up. Agreed. I love to I see don't those. Think it's, go ahead. I don't think it's an awkward pairing like the Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert thing in Utah was always kind of awkward. Tatum and Brown, Middleton and Giannis, I think those are really, there's good synergy there between those pairings and the same thing with Murray and Jokic. That's why I think it works. And I I do hope Murray is one of those guys who's happy in that situation. We hear so many times that guys, I want to be the one, I want to be the alpha. And then you become Anthony Davis, who's like, well, maybe I'm better off being the 1A behind LeBron kind of situation. You can still be an yeah. all-star, all-NBA player. You, you can Being Clay Thompson's not a bad role. Yeah, and I mean, there's nights when they need Murray to kind of pick up the scoring load because, again, teams sell out to stop Jokic, and so he has his moments where he does get to be the star. There were times in that... Um, I mean, I think of the game in the Western Conference Finals where he scored 30 points in the first half and basically ruined the Lakers' hopes in that first half. So that's, I mean, he's got a star role with the Nuggets. Unless you're Michael Jordan and your running mate 30 years later decides to eviscerate you. Well, I think there's some off-the-court reasons for that. <laughs> It's another thing. If, just, you, if you've been following sports this week, you know what we're talking about. Yeah, there's some off-the-court reasons for uh, why that might have happened, but I digress. Uh, so quick, can we talk about Eric Spolstra and how he's the most disrespected coach in sports? Is he the most disrespected in sports? The, man, in sports? the man has been to six NBA finals. The Heat had never been to a finals before him. Seems like everybody wanted to give the credit to LeBron before. It was like, okay, it's LeBron, Wade, Bosch. I could coach this team to the finals. And then they're gone, and he's kept it humming. And now it's, oh, well, it's Pat Riley leading the way. Can we give Eric Spolstra some credit? He's taking Jimmy Butler and a bunch of guys who went to Wheeling University to the NBA finals. They're in this great Cinderella run, taking down all the, arguably the two best teams in the Bucks and Celtics. And what's the common thread 15 years after the fact? We forget he started in 2008. Eric Spolstra is 15 years, the second longest tenured coach, the second winningest coach. The only guy he's trailing is potentially the best ever in Popovich. We just, we never give him any cred. I'll stop. Uh, 
he's a good coach. Let's not go overboard on the he's underrated, though. I think he's getting a lot closer to being properly rated these days. If he wins, if he wins, would this be his fourth championship? He's three and three so far. Yeah, I think he's three and three. Yeah. Um, well, no, because yeah. the Heat lost to the Mavericks. Or was he not the coach for that team? Ah, dang it. I was, he's, I got two different screws up here. I got the Spolstra screen and the other ones. I was wrong. I would l- like to slightly amend my point that he's still underrated, but the Heat did have one finals. He was there for, he started in 2008. So he was there for the, uh, they lost to the Mavs beat the Thunder and Spurs, and then lost to the Spurs. I have completely blocked out of my brain the Spurs beating the Heat in 2014 in five games. I kind of remember the Heat-Spurs that the Heat won. But yeah, he was he was there from 2011 to 2014, four straight years that LeBron and company made it. You remember that series because of the Ray Allen shot. Good old Ray Allen. Yeah. Or three. But that shot... Um, only fueled Tim Duncan's fire to come back the next year, and then the Spurs just completely decimated them. I just I have no memory. I couldn't tell you anything about that 2014 series. Anyway, uh, Danny Green got really hot from three. Um, Kawhi Leonard really frustrated LeBron, and I believe Gary Neal or somebody got really hot from three as well. <laughs> Parker, Ginobili, Duncan. Yeah their last run so uh yeah it, it was the 20 you should go back and rewatch uh the 2013 and then the 2014 nba finals highlights on youtube because those were some really really good playoff series really good final series a lot of people kind of forget about them but those were two good final series back to back i feel like i remember the maverick series more than any of the rest of them and then the thunder when they had at least was it durant and westbrook still there was harden still part of that one Remember, uh, yeah, they had Durant, Westbrook, Harden, and Ibaka. Yeah, that team is so good. And and but they got swept basically. I think right. they won and they Heat one and five. Yeah, is that another one of those things that those guys were good, but they were all like twenty three? Yep, they were all twenty three. They were all a little too young. Um, kind of like LeBron against the Spurs, where they they really probably shouldn't have been there, but they were, and so they got kind of got run out of the building. That Thunder team did have Derek Fisher and Nick Collison. So they did. Extremely old on both of those. <laughs> but yeah, KD, Westbrook, Harden, and Ibaka, and KD is the oldest, and I can't do that math quick enough. But yeah, they were not and, for 25. And don't forget, big Kendrick Perkins. Hey, Perk. Isn't he the king of ESPN now? I don't really watch ESPN coverage, but isn't uh, he everywhere? Uh, He wants to be. <laughs> I don't know if he is really. Um. So, anything else here on Heat Nuggets to put a bow on this? Nah, just just enjoy it. Enjoy the greatness of Nikola Jokic in in these finals. Quick trivia question: That if I know you, I think you'll get pretty easily. Now that the Nuggets have made their first finals, they are out of the never appeared in the championship club. Can you name the five that are still stuck on that island of current teams? The Kings. Uh, Incorrect. They do have one. It's one of those complicated oh, things. old franchise in 1951. Yeah. They, but they don't have one as the Sacramento Kings. If, if you want to be technical, you are correct. They have not made it as the Sacramento okay. Kings. And then the Pelicans are a new franchise, and they don't have one. Correct. So um, four of them are relatively new, and then one has just been bad for a bit longer. Yeah, the Grizzlies. Correct. Uh, the Charlotte Hornets. Slash Bobcats, correct. Yep. Clippers. Clippers, there you go. That's the one way back in the day. So there's one still sitting out there. This is a good club for the Nuggets to no longer be in. Oh, is it the Timber Timberwolves? Timberwolves, there we go. You got them. Yeah. Pel- Hornets slash Peller. Hornets, Pelicans, Grizzlies, Timberwolves, Bobcats slash Hornets, and then the Clippers. 
also included when they were the Buffalo Braves. Wow. If the if the Nuggets win, they can join the 1-0 club. That includes the Toronto Raptors, the Baltimore Bullets, and the Rochester Royals slash Sacramento Kings. Nice. So That's a good club. <laughs> the 0-1 club includes the Indiana Pacers, Washington Capitals, and Chicago Stags. Two of those teams did not exist past 1951. Correct, yeah. Wow. Um. So just going to do another quick minute here. We're already close to our hour. We had a nice long talk about the NBA. Uh, so just a quick thought here on some of the coaching changes. We haven't really talked about this, but new guys who have taken over since the end of the season or some places that don't have jobs. Ime Udoka at the Rockets, who is supposedly coming to pillage the Celtics front office and roster, if the internet's to be believed. Adrian Griffin, who I don't know much about, just took over the Bucks job. Nick Nurse, who was fired by the Raptors, won the championship for them a couple of years ago. He was dismissed. He now has the Sixers job. And then we have three vacant jobs, Pistons, Raptors, and Suns. So any thoughts on those six vacancies or rehires? Um, well, I like the, you don't know much about Adrian Griffin, but I kind of like it, um, from the aspect of it's not just a retread coach. I think it'll be a little bit different and a little bit interesting having a new voice. Um, but hopefully there's Adrian Griffin is a guy that can, uh, employ a little bit of strategy in the playoffs because Budenholzer is good at creating a system but he just kind of sticks to the system kind of no matter what. Um, I was really hoping for Nick Nurse in Milwaukee. I think he'll be a decent coach in Philadelphia and might be good for Embiid, but um, I I really think Udoka is the good hire for Houston. And then, yeah, they do need to uh, clean up that roster a little bit because I don't think there's – Specifically thinking of Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr., I don't really think those are Udoka type of guys. Uh, I haven't heard these rumors about pillaging the Celtics front office and and or roster. I don't really believe or buy into that. I think that's probably more just an internet rumor. You know how those go. But, um, yeah, and we'll just have curious decisions on – I think the Suns out of those teams you mentioned that hasn't hired a coach yet is probably the most key decision uh, in terms of a coach as to who they're going to get. So, Yeah, the it seems like the Raptors are trying to tear things down. It may not be the place you want to go unless you're just trying to get a foot in the door. The Pistons are on their way up, but you still feel like you're a couple years away. The Suns are ready to win now. So who do we have sitting out there? Monty Williams and Mike Budenholzer, two former coaches of the year that are available, have had great recent success. Dwayne Casey, what's he up to? Is he floating around? And then the obligatory, because we have to do it every coaching cycle, who's going to hire Mike D'Antoni? Dwayne Casey just got fired from Detroit. Um, I was thinking, I didn't think Detroit had a guy since him. I know he took over there after the Raptors. Yeah, and we've got Doc Rivers floating out there, but I don't really think he's a candidate for the Suns. Oh, come on, that is that is the tailor-made Doc Rivers get him to the finals, not any farther situation. Isn't he the guy for star-laden veteran teams? Uh, no, he's the, the guy if you're up 3-1 in a playoff series and you want to blow it. <laughs> that is exactly what the funniest outcome would have been if the Celtics had gotten swept, then they would have had no choice but to get rid of Missoula and a Doc Rivers reunion in Boston. Yeah. That that would have been the absolute funniest outcome of the whole NBA offseason. But I I don't know. I think But Doc so I, Doc Rivers, I have his coaching history. He's coached like every year since nineteen ninety nine and makes at least makes the playoffs almost every year. Or loses yeah, but, the conference finals four straight years, semifinals. Yeah, and blows a lot of 3-1 leads. So, uh, go look that up. But yeah, Doc Rivers history, not great when it comes to having a 3-1 lead. Um, can, you, can you name the Doc Rivers coaching history in order? I think he started with Orlando. Correct. He was there for one, two, three, four, five years. 
and then he moved to Boston, I believe. Correct. One with the big three. Yep. And then from there, he became the Clippers coach. Seven years with L.A. And then from there, he became the Sixers coach. Yep. Three Only three years with the Sixers, but somebody's going to take him. I, Toronto, just so you have something to be excited about, at least Doc Rivers is a known name. Detroit, Maybe he does make sense with Detroit. Not that I agree with it, but maybe if they're just trying to get some guys acclimated to the NBA, is he the right guy for that? I don't know. Maybe someone will take him, or maybe Doc does a year in TV and gets back to it next year. I, to me, Monty Williams is the guy that I would most want out of that group. I like Budenholzer, but I'm more intrigued by Monty Williams. Um, yeah, maybe. So we'll we'll see. Um, but I think Phoenix is probably going to hire from within, hire someone from Monty's staff to be the guy. But we will see. I don't know. Um, it should be an interesting decision and. Yeah, that's mainly the key decisions that are going to happen this season, this offseason, are going to be coaching ones. Anything else on the NBA front before we do a couple of quick hitters? Let's go for our quick hitters. The Stanley Cup final is here. It's one of those things we forget. It is final, not finals. And the... If you think the Nuggets heat is random, the Vegas Knights and the Florida Panthers, this is one of the strangest finals. And I get that the Golden Knights were one of the top seeds out of the West. I just, I can't get myself to really like the Golden Knights all that much. Jack Eichel's really coming into his own and becoming the star everybody thought he was going to be. But the Florida Panthers are the story here. I don't like them all that much, but I'm picking against the heat. So I will pick their stadium sharing brethren to take home the Stanley Cup. Another really fun situation where basically the eight seeds, Miami's got two eight seeds making it. And it's so impressive what they've done. They beat the Bruins in a great seven game series to start out the playoffs and kind of got people's attention there because the Bruins had set all the NHL regular season records. And then they go roll past the Maple Leafs and then sweep the Hurricanes. And people thought maybe the Canes would be the ones to finally stop them. It's wild what the Florida Panthers are up you up to. Matthew Kachuk to the extent that any NHL player can become a star. This is his star-making turn. This is his Jokic year. Uh, His dad was a big NHL star, and he and his brother are coming into their own, still pretty young guys. He's going to be the breakout star for this team. Uh, uh, Sergei Bobrovsky in net for them, also having another great year. But we've got seven games. Vegas will host the first two, then two in Florida, and then Vegas... Florida, Vegas are the same layout as the NBA Finals. Yeah, is this going to get enough of your attention? We know that you're not the biggest NHL fan. No, no, I'm probably not going to watch a single minute of this. Are you going to pick against the Panthers? Just continue with your Miami Heat hating? Uh, Am I a Heat hater? I don't think I'm a Heat hater. (laughs) Uh, Just no picks of Florida teams in the championships? Uh no, why not? I'll flip I'll flip yeah. them around and and pick the Panthers here. Why not? And I'm with you. Let's go Panthers by virtue of it's it's a it's a fun Cinderella run. We killed one Cinderella earlier. We gotta pick one of them and I'd rather cheer for the Panthers than the And also it seems oh, like a team that's based out of Florida should just not be good at hockey. <laughs> when it came down to the final four, so you had the Golden Knights and the Dallas Stars out west and the Carolina Hurricanes, and the Florida Panthers out east. I feel like the NHL just had to be thinking, come on, we're trying to get a foothold here, we're trying to grow, and it's we're left with four southern U.S. teams. Right. Well, the NHL just needs to impose a rule that they can only have a team that's with guys from Florida, and then they'll never be good. <laughs> You're not allowed to have Canadians on your roster. You cannot have Canadians or any Russian or anybody like that. <laughs> it's just all Floridians on your roster. That's all you get. I think at least, is it the Phoenix Coyotes, Arizona Coyotes that are moving out of Arizona? I think going to Canada or somewhere north. Are they looking at Salt Lake City or Portland? At least trying to go oh, somewhere really? more hockey appropriate. Okay. Okay, yeah. 
See, hockey in southern cities makes about as much sense as basketball in Canadian cities. People in Toronto are incensed right now. Toronto's the one exception. But, like, <laughs> the NBA tried to have a team in Vancouver. It didn't really work out great. Same for, like, if they tried a team in Montreal, probably not working out great. Tell that to the NFL as they try to put teams in Europe. See, that might work. Oh, geez. That might work. Just because it's the NFL and it rules everything. <laughs> Anything else we need to get to here? It was a crazy weekend of sports, um, as usual, over the long Memorial Day weekend. A wild Indy 500 that people mostly know for the one of the scariest accidents you'll ever see with parts flying into the stands. NFL's always got something going on. College football, Colorado is moving to the Big 12. We know you don't like the Big 12. Uh, It's not that I don't like the Big 12. Come on. Um, But are they officially moving to the Big 12? Are we back? Yes, we are. Ah, said my microphone died on me. So Okay. Well, Colorado officially moving to the Big 12? Officially talking about it. I don't know how, if it's just Dion talking for the sake of Dion. Or if it's, it's, it's like typical conference realignment. We have to talk about it. And... Sure, sure. I, I, I still hold out hope that the Pac-12 is going to survive. They're going to recruit a couple teams, and all will be fine. Uh, no, the Pac-12 will not be surviving. <laughs> um, the Big the Big 12 will survive, but as something less than a power conference. Um, and really, what I what I've said, and what I think I've consistently said, and what we're headed towards is a is a power two system, and that will be Big Ten and SEC. And so I think uh, Colorado may join the Big 12, and we'll probably see Oregon and Washington, maybe a few others from the West, maybe some others from the East, probably Notre Dame in the Big 10, and then probably teams from the South like Clemson and Florida State and the SEC. Um, So we'll see how it all shakes out, but I really think uh, the Big 10 and the SEC are going to kind of be power to you and we as we all know in the college sports landscape football is the big money driver kind of that kind of runs everything uh men's basketball is is good to an extent but it's not the same revenue generating force that football is so uh that's really what drives conference alignment realignment it's all really based off football implications well, I heard somebody say about Arizona is Arizona's worried about preserving the best situation for their men's basketball team. And I thought that was kind of cute that they pretended it wasn't football. Yeah, right. Right. Um, well, Arizona doesn't care about football. But hence still. why they've never been good at football. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, they're just kidding themselves if they think it's about anything other than football. Uh, so we've got that, the conference realignment happening. We'll hit on baseball a little bit next week. Uh, NFL, DeAndre Hopkins is going to go somewhere. I feel like that's the big news. Yep, that is absolutely the big news. And Bills or Chiefs is 
I think he ends up with the Bills. I think they they need a star receiver. They're going to go all in this year. The Raiders are going to bring back Tom Brady. The Cardinals are going to be terrible. Uh, I think that's most of what I've heard from the NFL this week. WNBA is kicked off. We need to get into the WNBA. The Vegas Aces, as you might expect, are amazing. New York still trying to find their footing. They're up there towards the top. Uh, Seattle and Minnesota not going all that well. Seattle may be feeling the sting of life after Brianna Stewart. Uh, we'll, we'll sprinkle in some more WNBA as we get going. Cool. And it's it's a week away, but I want to get Andrew's thoughts on it. We have UFC 289 coming up on June 10th, so a little bit of lead time. But you have Amanda Nunez defending her bantamweight title against Irene Aldana. Uh, Going to pick Amanda Nunez to defend. I'm sure the odds are like plus 1,000. Oh, you mean minus? Well, for the for Aldana to pull the upset. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm picking Nunez to defend for sure. What else do we have on this card? Uh, oh, no odds out yet. Uh, Charles Charles Oliveira and Benil Dariush in a fun lightweight fight. Uh, I think those are the not a super deep card. You just get to see Amanda Nunez, which is I, you're watching the best fighter in the world. So that's your main top card, uh, top fight on that card. Very good, very good. Anything else for you in this week's sports calendar? We tried to get as much in there as we could towards the end. Hey, I think we jam-packed just about everything in there. Uh, do we care about baseball enough to talk about a little baseball? Uh, we can. I got my baseball guy on next week, so I'm going to let him do the heavy lifting. But if we want to talk about uh, – if, if you've been paying attention, you are miles ahead of me. I just know the Rays are still good, and that's about all we cared about. Yeah, the Rays uh, are good, but they did just uh, drop two out of three to my Chicago Cubs, so maybe they're not good. And the, um, the A's are trying to be the worst team that's ever played, from what I hear. Like, they set, like, the worst the worst record ever in the history of the majors before June 1st, I thought was the stat I heard. Oh, yeah, they're they're not fielding a serious baseball team this, this season. They're, they're not even trying. Um. It's really disappointing, too, because they're trying to move to Vegas and they're really sending out the Oakland fans with <laughs> uh, the one of the worst baseball teams I've ever seen. So just remember, fans, this is how much your franchises appreciate you. You live, breathe, bleed for these teams. And this is what you get in return. So this is why I like sports in general. And I don't die hard for any one particular right. team or person. Um, do we do we care about college baseball? Uh, is there a college world series happening very close to you? Um, there's the super regional that's happening in Terre Haute, Indiana, that, uh, I was maybe the presumptive favorite to make it out of all. I really know there was, there was softball on while I was traveling and it was on at the airport. So I watched and I just learned that Oklahoma is still amazing. So that's as much as the college sport as I've watched. Yep. Oklahoma is amazing at, at softball. Uh, I don't really know. I think maybe one of the SEC teams is probably the favorite in college baseball, probably LSU, if I had to guess. But um, I think it's down to, like, Indiana State and Iowa for in the Super Regional. I'm not really sure how the college baseball postseason works, so I'm not going to try and pretend <laughs> like I know. I just know that Iowa – is probably going to face Indiana state for the chance to advance. And that's all I know. And all I care about, and that couldn't land them in Omaha, which they were just there and played in the big 10 championship, lost the big 10 championship, but that got them into the national tournament, which is great because I don't think they've been there in, in quite a while. So just excited that Iowa baseball is in the national tournament for the first time. in I believe quite a while i don't know how long it's been exactly but it's been some time that you explained exactly why i don't really follow college baseball because i do not understand there's a conference and then there's a regional and then there's a super regional and then a super duper regional and it's in some way kind of like a march madness bracket but then there's like you can lose and still play your way back in a three-game series and right. I, don't, I could barely handle high school math i can't i can't figure this out yeah, it'd be better if they if they simplified it because even just trying to follow Iowa, I don't really understand it all, but I just know that if Iowa wins, it's a good thing, basically. So <laughs> let's just uh, go ahead and keep on the winning and 
hopefully Iowa gets to the College World Series. Go any other team. Uh, oh, so- oh, come on. Come on now. Support yeah. your support your home state. Give well, them the state of the Iowa State baseball program. Say, at least you guys have a baseball team. Yeah, that's kind of what I was going to say. It was like, <laughs> you have no other choice for baseball in that's the true. state. You have a club so. team. Um, so uh, did you watch any of the pro wrestling this weekend? There was an AEW card. There was a WWE card. There was an NXT card. There was so much pro I, wrestling to watch this weekend. I, I Absolutely zero. If I have to pay for pro wrestling, I'm probably not watching it. <laughs> I feel the same way. I claim I'm a fan, and then it's like, uh, do I have to spend money? No, thank you. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's where I'm at. All right, well. It's good good to be back in the saddle and a little bit over our hour to make up for not being on last week. Uh, anything else for this week's show? That is it. Well, we thank you all for joining us here on episode 106. Be back next week, 107. Going to have Austin in to do a lot of baseball talk. We'll check in on the NBA Finals. And then ideally, fingers crossed, two weeks, get Andrew back in and see where we're at with the NHL Finals, NBA Finals. We'll start dipping our toes more into football. And we'll bring you the latest and greatest from around the sports world. We thank you all for joining us. We will see you next time.